Hello, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's uh, good to have you with us here today on this Ash Wednesday and St. Valentine's Day and uh, the beginning of the fast for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Um, It is Wednesday, February 14th, 2024. Our catechesis today will uh, continue in... uh, well, considering confession, which is of course appropriate as we enter into this season of fasting, we confess our sins for repent in repentance for the forgiveness of sins uh, year round. But uh, Lent is a, a well, I would say a particular time of introspection, of self reflection, um, and examination according to um, maybe the Ten Commandments. Uh, to that end, of course, we have a divine service today at six thirty p.m. with a meal at five thirty beforehand. Uh, our divine service tonight is uh, peculiar, uh, special, if you like. The uh, We will uh, pray the litany for Ash Wednesday. We will uh, confess our sins corporately, hear an address to remind us about this season, uh, and then each receive absolution individually, all right, before entering into divine service, uh, which we'll do then this evening. Uh, there have been some questions about um, ashes. I, I haven't really had questions until this year, and this year I had uh, children ask this morning. I've had um, members of my own family and others ask um, about the imposition of ashes. And this is a, a relatively new tr- tr- innovation, I think. Well, tradition. Um, it was an old tradition that fell by the wayside, especially at the time of the Reformation, um, and only was reintroduced back in the, according to Time Magazine, in the 70s. Um, let's see, what does it say here? So this is a Time Magazine article. You know, so a secular press. Um, but I think actually pretty good. Ash Wednesday is inextricably linked to Easter. After all, it marks the beginning of the penance period of Lent and ends with the important uh, Christian holiday. Uh, and then he, they quote a uh, professor and priest at Duke Divinity School. The practice of Ash Wednesday dates back to the 11th century. True story. Uh, you see that in the book of Daniel, in the ninth chapter, there is a line about associating fasting with ashes. So ashes are associated with penance, which is the dominant theme of Lent. Fair enough. Um, and uh, and the most familiar Ash Wednesday observance, ash crosses worn on the forehead of many churchgoers, hasn't always been acknowledged by all branches of Christianity, uh, the author, or the uh, one that was being interviewed said. It wasn't until a few decades ago that the tradition became widespread in the United States, in the 1970s. So it's that recent, 50 years ago. The practice matched up with the wider um, trends in American religion, including the embrace of once discarded traditions and the search for ways to connect the physical body to the spiritual life. Ash Wednesday was an opportunity for a multi-sensory way of connecting faith to the body, so many American Christians at the time decided that begin, to begin wearing the outward physical mark of their spiritual lives. Um, and then Winner, who they inter- were interviewing, says she thinks that its popularity has endured as it offers those celebrating an easy way to prompt conversations about faith. Um, you know, and she might be right. She might be right. So um, the author actually does, a, this article does a really fantastic job of um, maybe speaking of some of the reasons why we might not want to have ashes. And so you can go read that. I'll link, I put it in the uh, comment thread. So if you're watching live, you can see that. Uh, maybe I'll link to it in the show notes if you're listening as a podcast version. Uh, this congregation, as far as I know, has never um, never introduced that practice. I'm not opposed to it. Um, I'm going to share just a little bit from uh, this book called uh, Christian Feasts and Customs, a handbook of, and uh, listen to what he has to say. The first day of Lent is called Ash Wednesday in all Christian countries of the Western world from the ceremony of imposing blessed ashes in the form of a cross on the foreheads of the faithful. While the priest pronounces the words, 
momento homo quia povis, povis eset in puerum uh, reverentis. Remember, man, thou art dust, and to dust thou shalt return. Genesis 3.19. The name, quote-unquote, Ash Wednesday, Firea Corta Cenerum, was officially introduced by Pope Urban II in 1099, hence 11th century. Prior to that, the first day of Lent was called Beginning of the Fast, Initium uh, Jejuni. The ashes used are obtained from burning the blessed palms on the previous Palm Sunday. All right, so there's the key. Um, and I had saved some palms a few years ago, but they are, uh, uh, I, we, we never burned them. So I think they were disposed of at some point by the ladies. They probably got annoyed with those palms just sitting um, in the, uh, in the uh, not the vestry, the, the other room where they prepare the, the stuff for the altar. Um, so I'd save some palms to make ashes, but uh, no. again, this is kind of the first year that people have asked about it. They are also given a special blessing before being distributed on Ash Wednesday. All right. So just a little paragraph from here. Um, the imposition of public penance is the older tradition. So I would suggest here part of the, uh, uh, maybe the reason for Ash Wednesday, of course, is the name. Um, two, the practice of the use of ashes as a sign of penance. You see that all throughout the, the Old Testament. Um, maybe some reasons not to is its association with um, martyrdom and um, the burning of Christians by the Romans in particular um, as a sign of a denial of the resurrection of the body. So that might be a reason not to. Um, but, uh, of course, Jesus can raise the dead from dust, you know, as a natural death or from ashes, um, even those who are cremated, although uh, historically Christians are opposed to cremation as well. Uh, and that's the reason why, because it was associated with the, the Roman cult of denying the resurrection of the body. Um, let's see. And it kind of actually can distract from the, the point of Ash Wednesday. Uh, despite the name, uh, it is the beginning of the fast. So there are three themes um, that... Um, that the Lenten season actually focuses on and not <laughs> so much um, the use of ashes because uh, it's only on the one day, uh, but rather penance, um, which we talked about, or confession of sins. Um, fasting would be another one and uh, almsgiving would be the other one. Uh, did I miss it? Prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. Prayer, almsgiving, and fasting. Uh, prayer, including confession. So fasting, almsgiving, and prayer. Those would be the three. Um, and for some, so we might have people asking to have ashes imposed on Ash Wednesday, but they're not asking the pastor impose a fast, um, say on Wednesday or Friday, which was our tradition as Lutherans in many places, um, or to um, direct us away from um, personal wealth and towards the giving of alms to those who are poor and in need, um, or uh, a special prayer. I think we do have the prayer because we have Wednesday, Wednesday takes on, um, more people attend on Wednesdays during during Lent and Advent um, than they do during the rest of the year, even though it's offered year-round. Right, so that might be a reason why uh, the introduction of ashes might be distracting as well. I think, well, that's what Lent is all about. Mm, not particularly, um, although it is a sign of confession or repentance. So we have that because it's a sign of death. All right. So uh, I'm not prepared to, to impose ashes this year, uh, but if it's something that as a congregation that we would agree upon um, and see as a fitting practice, um, then it'd be worth having that conversation uh, with the ladies on the altar guild, but also um, with the directors. And, uh, you know, it would be by common consensus that we'd say, yeah, this is worthy to do. Um, in my previous parish, one of my previous parishes, um, the congregation, uh, there was a controversy over the ashes. It had been introduced uh, without catechesis, without instruction, uh, and really without the direction of the congregation. And some people were offended so much so that they wouldn't come to Ash Wednesday services because they didn't want the ashes imposed. 
which was, uh, well, uh, unnecessary. So what I did is that we actually made the imposition of ashes not part of the service, but I just, I was at the back and anybody who wanted them could receive them. Um, but it was not like a requirement that everybody come forward or anything like that, which of course would always be true. You're not required to come forward for anything. All right. So there's Ash Wednesday for you. That's enough on that. Um, and then we can focus on our catechesis that's before us and also on St. Valentine. All right. Put the devotion up and let's begin. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, let's pray our psalm. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin, did my mother conceive me? Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out um, all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Okay. What, what kind of sacrifices does God require but a broken and contrite spirit? Again, that's our focus on Ash Wednesday as well, is uh, repentance for the forgiveness of sins, which we'll receive, of course, in absolution, but also in the sacrament and in the preaching of the, of the good news of forgiveness in Christ Jesus, in uh, the preaching, right? All right. Let's say our verse together. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Isaiah 1, verse 18. Office of the keys. What is the office of the keys? The office of the keys is that special authority which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners, but to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. Where is this written? St. John the Evangelist writes in chapter 20, The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. 
If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What do you believe according to these words? I believe that when the called ministers of Christ deal with us by his divine command, in particular, when they exclude openly unrepentant sinners from the Christian congregation and absolve those who repent of their sins and want to do better, this is just as valid and certain even in heaven as if Christ our dear Lord dealt with us himself. Right? And now you'll get to uh, exercise, or, uh, yeah, exercise this part of the catechism this evening, uh, in particular as you will confess your sins uh, as repentant sinners and be absolved. And of course, uh, those who refuse to confess uh, will not receive the absolution. Uh, this is usually um, practiced, or I should, should say this exclusion of openly unrepentant sinners. It's very rare that it's necessary for the pastor to actually um, proclaim this to people. Uh, most people self-exclude. So um, they will find some sin that they don't want to confess that's been done to them or, um, or that they themselves have done, and um, they will not spiritually or, or just, I mean, even they can't even bear to come to, into the sanctuary physically um, because they have that in their conscience. This is the, uh, the right diagnostic uh, as far as um, your interaction with people in this world. Uh, if you wonder why people act the way they do, it's because they have guilty consciences, right? They have a bad conscience. It's a, misinformed by false words. Um, they try to appease their own conscience through um, drinking or, um, I don't know, um, binge purchasing or um, uh, by unloading all of their um, guilt on other people. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, maybe by um, compulsive, um, compulsively following, say, sports, you know, uh, and then the sports become this, well, look, I, I, my, my team is winning and so look at me, right? I, it doesn't actually work, but this this is what people do, all right? No, the, the gift that Jesus gives is to forgive the sins of repentant sinners, right? So to come, confess, and be forgiven. Right? And, it, and any sins you know or feel in your heart, uh, I'm ready and at hand um, to hear those confessed and to have those forgiven too. This often happens just in, um, in conversation, though. So people start talking about their life and what's going on, and uh, as a physician of the soul, they recognize that there's a need for forgiveness. And um, this can happen with you too in your various vocations. If you, you, you sense um, that the person is confessing sin, absolve them, forgive them in Jesus' name. Right? If you sense that they have a guilty conscience, say, Jesus died for you. He forgives you, right? I forgive you in his name. Do it. And uh, you'll find that it actually changes um, every relationship that you engage in. All right? So uh, our first reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 4. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to fables." But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Right. So this is uh, one of the scriptures that are that's always heard at every um, uh, ordination and installation of a pastor, right? Because it really does set the tone for what uh, the pastor is to expect to have happen, and also what his vocation is. Right? To preach the word in season and out. Um, there is exhortation here, which is parikolao, which is um, to um, to, well, respond to sin. <laughs> and I know that's not a popular thing. Nobody wants to be called out. Um, but on the other hand, uh, that's necessary for repentance and forgiveness. All right. I'm going to assist you in that work this evening 
um, I have printed off, I think, 15 or 20 copies of um, how, to, uh, how to Confess, all right? And uh, it has the, uh, the bike Spiegel that, I, that I've mentioned a, a few times here in the last week, um, that confessional mirror where you can go through and examine yourself according to the Ten Commandments so that even, um, you know, it may give you uh, cause to confess something very particular to the pastor, to me, uh, for absolution, or it may uh, just bring your guilt to remembrance and the general absolution that you'll hear um, is is sufficient uh, for your conscience. All right, so um, you will have the opportunity to be examined. Uh, I generally don't do that, except uh, when people come to me and say, "Look, I'm having a hard time, and I need help." Well, then we go through an examination, right, um, or an introspection. We 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 look through the life and see where have we broken um, broken free of God's word, right? We're gone off the reservation, so to speak, or lost lost the path. All right, and to the ministry, we hear then. Jesus sending out his 12 from Matthew chapter 9 and 10. So Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And when he had called his twelve disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew, or excuse me, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Labaeus, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold, nor silver, nor copper in your money belts, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy of his food. Now whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. Uh, Peace return to you, yeah. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable in the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in the synagogues. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how and what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. All right, so I just skipped ahead there to get that summary statement at the end of the dialogue. Good. All right, so what do we have Jesus doing? This is the context of the sending. Preaching and teaching the gospel of the kingdom, right? Teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel. So he's doing both in the synagogues, healing every sickness and every disease among the people, right? So we talked about this yesterday with the healing of the paralytic, preaching and teaching the gospel, and the the, um, absolution then has its way uh, with life, right? It brings healing. Uh, then notice what he observes about the people. They were like sheep having no shepherd. 
Uh, those of you who have studied with us on uh, Sunday mornings from Ezekiel knows know right where that comes from. That's referring back to Ezekiel 34, of course. 37 is dry bones. 34 is the um, is the uh, um, the sheep and shepherd chapter, which we hear uh, during the Easter season. All right. And the Lord had promised to raise up a shepherd, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he switches metaphor. Jesus does this often. I do too. Now we're talking about a harvest all of a sudden. So we had sheep and shepherd, harvest. Of course, harvest is like the one we heard just a few days ago with, I will make you fishers of men. Here, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. All right. So the harvest are those who are in the midst of the world will receive um, the gospel, who will believe in the gospel. Right. Later on, he'll tell the parable, of course, of the uh, the wheat and the tares, which is another picture of that harvest. All right. And what does he say? Who will be the workers and laborers? They will be, right? I will send you, prepare the Lord to send out laborers into his harvest. And that's exactly what he will do in just a moment. The apostles and preachers of the gospel, um, who are just like them, will be the, the laborers in, in the vineyard, if you like, or the harvest workers. All right. So pray that the Lord send out laborers into his harvest. Um, this is always our prayer. It's not uh, an easy vocation. It's not always, uh, it doesn't always pay well. Uh, I've been through that. Um, thankfully, this congregation really does take care of me in a way that uh, allows allows us to live comfortably um, with peace of mind that our, well, our well-being is going to be taken care of. And then that frees me to preach the gospel um, without, um, without concern, actually, uh, about um, the physical well-being of my family. I mean, obviously, we have all the normal things. Uh, they have to be, you still have to be good stewards, but right? Uh, and the medical stuff and all of that, but uh, not in a sense of living paycheck to paycheck, all right? And uh, that really does allow uh, for the preacher to be free to preach. Right? Um, let's see. So then, oh yes, then he sends out the 12 um, and he gives them, oh, there's that word again, power. How about we translate that as authority again? Verse one of chapter 10, he gave them authority over unclean spirits, right? And to heal all kinds of sickness and disease. So that's his authority. And he divests it or or, um, transmits it to them so now they have the authority that is his talked about this with forgiveness yesterday okay notice that they're called the 12 um and where are they where are they not to go curious right don't go by the way of the gentiles or into the city of the samaritans no you are going to be sent first to the lost sheep of the house of israel of course this comes up with the uh, canaanite woman etc i did not come except for the lost sheep of the house of israel well first but that will change when after his resurrection and ascension when he sends out the disciples um to baptize all nations to teach all people right so uh, and that of course is fulfilled at pentecost first to the lost sheep of israel then um, to the ends of the earth jerusalem judea right? jerusalem judea samaria and then to the ends of the earth right all right so what are they to preach mm. the kingdom of heaven is at hand verse seven right as you go, preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Not the first time we've heard that message in Matthew's gospel. Back in chapter 4, that was the preaching of Jesus, summarized by Matthew. Back in chapter 3, that was the preaching of John the Baptist, summarized by Matthew. So, uh, the preaching of John, the preaching of Jesus, and now the preaching of the apostles are the same. Uh, what might you expect your pastor to preach? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? Christ is here with forgiveness, life, and salvation. So, uh, we actually see that here. Um Freely you have received, freely give. That's the statement. That's a beautiful statement. It's not referring to physical needs. That comes next in verse 9. But verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. In other words, as they had freely received forgiveness of sins themselves, they were to freely bestow it through their preaching and teaching upon others. And where there is forgiveness of sins, there is life. Heal, healing the sick, cleansing lepers, raising the dead, cast out demons, right? Yeah. 
Um, they were told not to take anything. And uh, the reason is this last statement of verse 10. A worker is worthy of his food. All right. A worker is worthy of his food. Um, of course, um, if um, a tyrannical state is taking 80% of your food, um, saying your work is not worthy, um, that might be something we could argue about. <laughs> All right. But here, just the general principle, of course, is that um, those who hear the gospel would receive their living by the gospel, to quote another scripture. So who is the worthy um, or deserving person? Because we hear this state, we hear that word here in verse 11. Um, if they are worthy, if the household is worthy, verses 13 and 14. Uh, you'll see here 13 and 14 is talking about the the unworthy are those who will not receive you or nor hear your words, verse 14. So verse 13, those who are worthy are those who hear you and receive your words. You see? So you just take the two clauses together and, and it, it self-interprets. So those who believe, hear and believe the words of God are those who are worthy. Uh, but when those who will not receive it, what are the disciples to do? They are to give them a sign of judgment, right? This is a terrible sign to uh, shake the dust off their feet, right? And leave without their without peace, without giving them forgiveness, right? Now, this is the, uh, the binding key as we talked about, right? Whoever sins you uh, do not forgive, they are not forgiven them, right? Um, and here in particular, we're thinking of, say, Genesis 3, um, Satan is the one who devours the dust uh, to which men return. And uh, Isaiah 52 says that those who uh, don't believe will be devoured by Satan. Uh, or like Peter says, prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Right? So you do not want to be the dust of the earth. Uh, all right. As a matter of fact, Jesus says uh, it would actually be worse for you than uh, for Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> worse for those who refuse uh, to hear the word and believe it. Right? To confess and be forgiven. So we're talking about a commandment here. Um, they hear... Hear and believe word means should not despise preaching in his word. Third commandment. We're talking about the third commandment. Those who despise the preaching and God's word, which preaching is the way that God's word is delivered to you, preaching and teaching, of course, with Jesus' command. Those who despise that, Jesus says it's worse for you than Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay, so we're not talking about those um, who through physical ailment cannot be in divine service. We're talking about those who say they don't need to be in divine service, that they can be religious spiritual but not religious, um, those who, for a grudge or some other purpose, uh, refuse to participate in the life of the church, um, it will be worse for you, right? Um, and actually, it, it is becoming upon the church to actually proclaim that judgment and say, look, you don't want to live with your sins because this judgment will be harsh. It's like, I'm going to shake the dust off, in effect. Um, you will go to death without, without Christ. So repent, believe the gospel again, hear God's word, all right? Uh, I suppose in today's age of multimedia, people think that God's word is so uh, widely available. Um, but uh, the scripture is also very clear that uh, we are not to despise the gathering together as some have done. Uh, you can go read Hebrews 4 for that. All right. So I, again, controversial, but it's not pastor's job to make you feel good. It's a pastor's job to call you, call your sin to repentance, um, that, that you be forgiven, right? And coming back to church gives you exactly that. You'll hear the word of forgiveness over and over, right? So come back. Good. Um, all right. Now he tells the disciples, and I think there's a little bit of a warning for them, that they're going to be like sheep in the midst of wolves, meaning uh, they will be attacked and even devoured, right? There will be plenty wolves who will try to destroy their preaching office, destroy the gospel, to attack the Christian congregation, to undermine the work of the church. Right? This is going to happen. Um, it's what you would. It's actually what you are to expect. As they have rejected Jesus, so they will reject you, right? Not all, but some, right? Then we have this double expression be shrewd or wise as serpents or shrewd as serpents and harmless or innocent as doves you've heard that before 
All right, so you're going to be battling with serpents. So therefore, learn their tactics, learn their strategies, learn how to respond uh, and to attack back uh, with these opponents of the gospel. So there's the realm of Christian apologetics um, to be able to diagnose all the crafty words of the world. I've tried to help you with this to recognize that, um, um, say, for example, our civil uh, government often uses religious sounding words and they do that to deceive you and to, so that you give them religious devotion, right? So you have these like oaths, um, pledges of allegiance, you have um, hallowed halls, you have uh, sacred assemblies, um, you have our precious this and precious that. This is all religious language, right? Um, we can, of course, respect the state and the gift that the state is for us in punishing uh, evildoers and commending those who do right. But at the same time, we cannot give them religious devotion ever. Um, because they are not God in God's place, and they don't hold an office by which um, they can demand that sort of worship or reverence or uh, maybe just honor. Okay, so uh, respond to wicked words and be be ready to be as crafty as they are, clever and uh, strategic and all of that. Right, you can read about that in Matthew twenty three. Uh, but innocent as doves, or uh, what is how is it translated here? Harmless as doves. All right. So here um, to deliver the the forgiveness of sins freely in Christ's name. That's not a, a matter of attack and, and being wise or clever. It's simply um, proclaiming, here's the gifts. Here's your baptism. Here's what Jesus promises in your baptism. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that good news? Right? Here's what the Spirit has, has promised to work in you. Thanks be to God. Right? Harmless and innocent. Right? Of course, that is powerful, um, but it's, it's also gentle and comforting. Right? So you have both going on here. Um, you could also hear the, uh, the exhortation um, against sin. Right, that's that wise as serpents, um, but also the forgiveness of sins being the harmless as doves. I think you could understand it that way too. All right. So, against whom then are the disciples to be on guard? Notice who? Uh, those within their own religious tradition, councils and scourge and synagogues. Also, eighteen governors and kings, so civil rulers of the age. Those are who they are to be on guard against. Really? Yes. <laughs> we are to be on guard of the encroachment of ch- of of both church and state, false church and false state or even true state, um, and what we confess, right? So uh, this was our controversy with COVID in particular that um, um, I wasn't necessarily prepared um, to to imagine that our state, uh, namely the state of Wisconsin, uh, would decide to tell us what was appropriate worship. No, that's not your, that's not your responsibility, right? What is appropriate, what's not, how, how to manage in the, in the face of uh, a supposed disease or pandemic or whatever they called it, right? That's not their vocation. It's not within their call. Um, they can certainly tell us about what they know, et cetera, but how, what we do with that and how, uh, if we choose to adjust the way that we worship uh, to accommodate what we think is going on, and that's really on us, it's not on them. And for them to say, well, pastor doesn't need to wear a mask, but all the people must. Um, that was an imposition that was really out of line. And I, hopefully we've learned from that now, right? And to be on guard against such kind of uh, imposition. All right. It'd be kind of like if the governor said, uh, hey, look, Ash Wednesday is an important day um, and we need to ward off evil spirits. So make sure everybody gets a, um, an ash cross on their head. Like what? Well, what business do you have telling us whether to use ashes or not? <laughs> uh, yes. Well, warding off evil spirits and warding off an evil disease. Those are the same thing, actually. As far as Jesus is concerned, he puts, he lumps it all together there in verse eight, right? Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead and cast out demons. All right. Um, and of course, the people who oppose you will say that they're offering service to God. How's that? Right? Both civil rulers and also those in the in the church. All right? But don't worry about it. Um, Jesus will give you the words to speak. Right? Uh, pray that he give them to you. And uh, 
Notice then again that the pastor's vocation is not to do what the people want. The pastor's vocation, um, you know, <laughs> uh, not not to heap up, uh, not for you to heap up teachers to uh, itch your ears, as uh, Paul said to Timothy earlier. Um, but rather, the the pastor's job is to give you Jesus, as Jesus has been given to you by the Father. So, as the Father gives His Son, so the Son gives you His apostles that you would receive Him. Right? No more, no less. Plenty of things to talk about today, isn't there? The church is always in need of shepherds, pastors, who proclaim the kingdom of heaven. And so um, that's why Christ instituted the office of the holy ministry, to provide workers for his harvest field of the world. Christians, on the other hand, will always seek out and call faithful pastors to proclaim the word of God among them. It's to the office, not to the person, that Christ has given the authority to forgive sins and to free men from the chains of death, right? So it's not me who do this, but it's the office, it's the... um, the ministry that Jesus uses to do this. Pastors can come and go. The office cannot. This is the only authority given to the office to forgive the sins of repentant sinners and to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. Because it's a grave sin to turn one's back to the preaching of the gospel. For Christ promises that those who hear the preacher of the gospel are hearing Christ himself. Indeed, the church is simply all those who hear the voice of the good shepherd and the office of the holy ministry and follow him. Good. Ah, We're going long today. I'm sorry. Um, Let's sing, let's just sing, I don't know what we sang yesterday. Let's sing a couple stanzas here of the hymn. Five and six, we'll say. said we've got two holidays on one day so uh yeah well let's remember the holy martyr saint valentine the story of the man commemorated this day is a large part is in large part unknown some centuries after valentine's death pope galasius would write that valentine is among those whose names are right are justly reverenced among men but whose acts are un, are known only to god what is known is that valentine ended uh is that Valentine ended life confessing Christ to the last, dying a martyr's death in Rome under Emperor Claudius in A.D. 270. Although we cannot know with any kind of certainty, later tradition has suggested that he was both a doctor and a priest. He was thus a man marked by his kindness and tender care of others in body and in soul. In this, he mirrored our Lord Jesus Christ, who healed the ailments of the body and yet more wondrously brought peace to the soul 
with his words of promise and hope. The very day that Valentine was to face his martyrdom, he is said to have brought consolation to the daughter of his jailer by writing to her a small note of encouragement. The young girl had reportedly come to love this godly man and was grieved at the thought of his death. But Valentine knew that death was a defeated enemy because Christ's death and resurrection. So he comforted the young lady. Hence, the custom of St. Valentine's Day notes arose, which has spread far and wide. From the relative obscurity of his life, we may learn a valuable lesson. God remembers what people forget. Baptized into Christ, marked with the Holy Cross as our Lord's own, fed with the body and blood of our Savior, Valentine lived and served, loved and died, a witness to the invincible love of God in Christ Jesus. God remembers his saints across the ages, even the multitude of his own who never ended up with a commemoration in the church's calendar other than on All Saints Day. But not one is forgotten. This will be apparent on the last day when Christ will call the dead to life and remember the deeds of all, crowning his grace in the lives of his own. Among the saints gathered before him that day will be faithful Valentine, whose trust in Christ's promises was not in vain. For your holy martyr, St. Valentine, glory, all glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you kindled the flame of your love in the heart of your holy martyr, Valentine. Grant to us, your humble servants, a like faith and the power of love, that we who rejoice in Christ's triumph may embody his love in our lives. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray. O Lord, mercifully hear our prayers, and having set us free from the bonds of our sins, deliver us from every evil. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children live in ordered harmony according to the word of God. For parents who must rear their children alone, for our uh, communities and neighborhoods, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Uh, we pray this day for my daughter, Dorothy, celebrating her third birthday. Pray for, um, let's see, anyone else? No baptisms? Pray for the households of our church. Pray with uh, Scarlett, Alan and Jane, Jim and Elaine, Jesse and Lisa, Jim and Karen, Dale and Pam. Pray in Thanksgiving uh, for the healing of Wendell and again for Chad and all the volunteers who assisted in refreshing um, the narthex. We pray for our catechumens. We pray for those ill receiving treatment or recovering, especially Ralph, Allison, Joe, Dennis, Brad, Ron, Carol, Mike, Doug, Donna, Sandy, Owen, BJ, Jolene, and President Willie. Pray for all our homebound. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Sheboygan Lutheran High School, our mission of the month, um, and also that the Lord give us a confessionally faithful deaf ministry. Pray and interceding for uh, new students for our school in the coming year and that Jesus would continue to gather his lost sheep back into his flock. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, that's our congregation of prayer for today, February 14th, 2024.
the Feast of the Nativity of Dorothy, um, also um, Ash Wednesday, and also St. Valentine's Day. So uh, quite the festive day. Uh, of course, um, if you know and feel um, your sins in your heart, um, as is revealed by the day, as you think about your own death, your mortality, you know, uh, which is what ashes, and of course, dust remind us of, dust and ashes to which we return. Um, the, the best remedy uh, for the conviction of our sin and um, the knowledge of our death um, is actually to be absolved, to have our sins forgiven, and to have the promise of eternal life proclaimed to us again. So that's what we'll do this evening. Um, that's the focus of Ash Wednesday, of course, is not just our mortality, but um, the immortality that we have in Christ through his suffering and death. All right? So uh, maybe that's the other reason to to focus more on the sacrament and less on um, some and kind of sacramental, but um, just accessory rite. Okay? So come and receive the sacrament, be forgiven, and rejoice um, in the gift of eternal life. We'll see you tonight. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.